Well, welcome to church. You glad you're here? I hope you are. Yeah, you better be ready. We're going to have fun. I gave you candy. Hey, fellas at RCMU, you are especially welcome for that candy. Uh, that's just for you. Well, we're going to have some too, but, but I'm glad you guys are in. If you're, if you're listening online and you didn't get candy, tough luck, show up. Uh, we got candy. Uh, we're, we're in this series. Uh, if you're brand new to church, like series, well, we do things in series because we think our attention span is getting shorter and shorter, and you and I need help understanding what we're talking about. So we're doing a series about who we are as a church. It's very simple. The agenda is very simple. I'm going to teach you from the Bible about what I believe Jesus intended the church to be all about. So whatever you grew up around, if you're like me, you grew up around church, or maybe this is your first exposure, I'm asking for some permission. Whatever your experiences are, good, bad, ugly, whatever, I want you to put them down for a moment and consider the idea that we often get church wrong. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna walk us through a story. I think it's one of the best stories in the Bible. Jesus told it, and he unfolded this word by word that you and I gotta look at, and this will be fun. Now, meanwhile, you got candy if you were willing to take it. Uh, when you came in, feel free to indulge if you haven't already. Uh, if you don't like sour candy, or if you're like me and shouldn't be eating candy, just pretend and just enjoy. Uh, there's a purpose, by the way, for the candy. You're like, this is weird. Is this like, no, li- listen. Uh, it wasn't super long ago that I was able to take my oldest son to his first movie. Now, I love going to the movies. I think the movies are fun, uh, relaxing for me. It's my escape. If you ever see me at the movies, you can talk. I just probably won't be very nice. I just want to don't talk during the movie. I'll throw things at you if you talk during the movie. Movies are intended that you paid too much for it already. Let's not talk during it, right? No amens. I thought some of you like, yeah, please stop talking. So I go to the movies. love going to the movies. Well, it wasn't super long ago that I took Hayden to his first movie. Now, I believe in coaching your children. So I had to teach my child how to properly go to the movies. Now, some of you think, oh, you're talking to them about clean movies. No, I wasn't talking about that. I'm talking about when you go to the movies, there's certain things you do. One is go to the snack bar. Oh, yeah, now we're getting amens. Come on. So here's what you do. When you go to a movie, you pay too much. So you just got to embrace the idea that you've already paid too much, so you're already in. Go for it. And so here's what you do. You buy your tickets, and this is what I was teaching Hayden. Hayden, okay, we, we do this. We, we've got the tickets. Now we need to go to the snack shop. And, and, he, and I was like, okay, here's what you do. You go up to that thing. You already know what you need. Don't go up and be one of those people going, you know, I don't know. It's a movie place. They have popcorn and candy. It's not a hard choice. And so I was like, here, here, here's what you can do. Every time we come to the movies, you need, you need to get a Coke and only a Coke, no other drink, a Coke, and, and then pick. Pick amongst the candy. Now, I was directing him before this point. I've been teaching him the good candy and the bad candy. Because there's good candy and there's bad candy. Some of you waste calories on bad candy. You eat it and you're like, you get done, like that was not what I wanted. I, I get that. If you want my tip, I've already helped you out. Anything that's gummy and sour, you're welcome. And so I was teaching Hayden, I was like, so what, what do you want, Hayden? This was a leading question to him. What, what do you want? Do you, do you want the sour, gummy, whatever? Is that, is that what you were you're about to ask me for? And he said, yes, father, great father. No, okay, no. He just said, yeah, I, I want the sour, and they were trying to do sour gummy worms. That's what I had raised them up, right? It was a good moment. He goes, I want the sour gummy worms. I was like, you are my child. I'm so proud of you. 
So, so I let him get the sour gummy worms, because in my head, I thought, we'll share. So I got popcorn, he got sour gummy worms. We went into the movie theater, we sat down, started watching the movie, this is awesome. I mean, this is his first exposure to a movie theater that big. Of course, one of the questions is, can we get one of these? And I'm like, whatever, hopefully, if mom's okay with it. And, and, and he, we're watching the movie, this is great, and, and I get, I'm eating popcorn. If you ever have popcorn, you know after a while, you're like, you need something different. You don't just, eat, no one just eats popcorn. So I lean over, this is during the movie, we don't talk, that's a rule in the Canaan home, we don't talk. So I kind of lean over, nudge, and kind of like, just put my hand out. Like, Speaking a, a language that we all speak, that means may I have one of your sour gummy worms. That's the, you stretch the arm out, you look at the candy, you look at your hand, candy, hand, candy, hand, and this is, this is the, you don't even have to, you just get it. And he looks at me, and I'm not joking, I've told you this before. He looks at me and tightens up <laughs> and leans over a little bit, like, and I'm thinking, whoa, buddy. Obviously, obviously, we got something lost in translation, this whole hand to candy thing, and something's going off. So, so, so I let it go for a little bit, but I'm like, man, this popcorn, something's got to change. So I just, like, I point to the candy, tap the box a little bit, and he just looks at me, and doesn't shrug, doesn't move away, he just, no. He's like, no. <laughs> now I've got an issue at this moment. I, I should make a scene. This is a moment that I take my son out and be like, how dare you? You have broken my trust, right? No, no. So I'm sitting there stewing going, I mean, like, what's the deal here? Like, I bought those for you, you ungrateful. Sorry, this is more than you want to know about your pastor. Anyways, so we enjoyed the movie for the most part, left, and I wrote down some things because that's what I do. I've shared some of this with you before. Some things that my son, who has now learned them, forgot in the moment. First one, he forgot that I provided him with those sour gummy worms. Very simple thing, simple thing that we always forget though, is I, he had forgotten that I provided those for him. I was the provider, I was the one that earned a wage in order to buy gummy worms. That was not the whole purpose of the wage, but I earned some money to buy some sour gummy worms so he could have it. He had forgotten by denying me that I had actually provided them for him. That's one of the simple things he had forgotten. He also forgotten that I was not in a, such a bad financial situation that if I really wanted sour gummy worms, I could leave the movie that I wasn't really interested in the first place. It was for kids. I was like, please give me a break from this. I could have gone out to the snack shop and bought my own sour gummy worms. This was not a big financial decision. This was not like, oh man, that's all we could have afforded. That's it, we're done. We can't pay our mortgage this month because we got sour gummy worms. No, I had some extra money that I, he had forgotten that I could have just bought my own if I really wanted to. Uh, an important one that he'd also forgotten is that if I wanted it, I'm bigger than he is. Some of you are against this idea and think it's horrible parenting, but I'm thinking, I'm six foot three about. I could throw him wherever I wanted to throw him. I could bench press him. I could do whatever I wanted to. If I wanted the sour gummy worms, this was not where I actually needed permission from my child at the moment to get the sour gummy worms. He'd forgotten that if I wanted them, it's a very simple grasp grab them and I'm going to have them, right? I mean, some of you are like, you're a horrible parent. No, okay. The most important thing he forgot is how much this defines our relationship. This is where it gets a bit more serious, doesn't it? If he's willing to share with me 
Even learning this as a little kid. If he's willing to give to me and I'm willing to give to him, that's a powerful, good relationship. But if in a relationship, if one person's unwilling to invest in it, most of us have had this experience, right? If one person's unwilling to give in it, the relationship isn't strong, it's not good, it's not healthy. And my son had not learned at that moment yet, he wasn't mature enough to get this idea that if he invests in my life and I invest in his, our relationship just thrives. Now, you know me well enough that there's a meaning to this story. There's a meaning to us talking about gummy worms, and if you're enjoying it, you're looking at me with disgusted faces. I just know that you're eating the sour part right now. There's a reason. I wanna, I wanna share with some, just something about God regarding you and I and, and how you and I function. See, let me tell you something about you. God has given you some things. I'll lay them out. This is an easy way to remember. I was taught this way. God has given you some time. Uh, you've had time today. Whatever you've done with it, your choice or you're like, no, maybe your spouse chose it for you, your children, or a sport, or an event, or work. But you've had time today. You've had time. God gave that to you. If you think that you've had authority enough in life to determine your time today, you've missed it. God has given you life. You've had time today. And you've got a talent, maybe one, maybe multiple. God gave that to you. In a group this size, it'd be incredible to watch all the good things that we could do together. Some of us can do certain things that we, others can't, and, and like I was on the other side, God's given you talent. He's also given you treasure. Some of you have a little bit of treasure. Some of you have a lot of treasure. But if you wanna look at what does God give us to do things with, time, talent, treasure. So here's the lesson. Through gummy, sour worms or whatever, <laughs> is you can learn about God in this. Let, let me tell you about your time and talent and treasure. God gave it to you, that's lesson number one. God gave it to you, he's the provider of it, whatever you have, God gave it to you. Uh, here's a second one, the time and the talent, the treasure that God has given you, he doesn't need from you. Yeah, he's a big enough God, he's not going, man, I need some extra time, I wonder if David will give up some time. God does not say, hey, the checkbook's running low, I hope David will give me a little bit. God doesn't have any resources that he lacks. Right? You and I know that. That's a basic principle. But not only does God give us our time and talent and treasures, he doesn't need any of it to function. God is big enough and strong enough to do whatever he wants whenever he wants to do it. He's all-knowing. He's all-present, all-powerful. God can do whatever he wants. And if you don't know this about God, I'll tell you what caused some of pain in our lives is when you lose somebody unexpectedly and you go, why did God take them? Why did God allow that to happen? I'll tell you the truth about life. If God wants it, he can take it, can he? Some of you have had those experiences where you've seen someone lose time or, or talent or some sort of treasure. You've seen it go away. The Bible actually will talk to you about this. God can give and he can take away. It's a powerful truth about God. But here's what's the most significant, just like Hayden and I. You know what's so significant about what God has given you? Is the beauty in the relationship is, is if you give to God and God gives back to you, do you understand what that does to that relationship? It takes it to a level that some of us are desperate to experience. See, some of us are like, I want God to be real in my life, right? Like, God, please just like show up, do this. Yet we're not actually invested in the relationship. Some of us, if you had to, put on paper, if I said describe your relationship with God, it would be all about what you want him to do for you. It hurts sometimes. It hurts me to process that there's days that I give nothing to God. 
I just mooched off them all day long. What if you and I were to look at differently this idea that the church was designed to not fulfill our preferences and not fulfill the methods that we just like? What if church was built on something Jesus taught? Where Jesus said, like we talked about last week, not only are we to love unconditionally, even in the hard moments, but we're to give irrationally. Irrational generosity is the core value I wanna talk to you about. Now some of you are freaked out. You're like, money talk. I'm not gonna talk to you about money. In fact, if some of you are right now are going, oh, he's gonna talk about money, that means you have an issue with money. We're gonna talk about generosity. And generosity, nowhere does it just talk about it being a money issue. I want you and I to get in the idea that our life, what God has put into our lives, that you and I will be generous with it. Time, talent, or treasure. Jesus laid this out. One of your favorite verses, I don't know if you know this, I'm gonna tell this about you, but one of your favorite verses, John 3, 16. The first part you love, for God so loved the world, yes, right? Like, he loves me, it's sweet. Anytime I preach on love, everyone's like, that is the best sermon you have ever given, David. It's just rich. The first part of John 3, 16 is awesome. For God so loved the world. And then the last part of the verse, whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Are you kidding me? If you believe in Jesus, you get eternal life with Jesus, that is like the deal of all deals. But what oftentimes falls in our laps is that you and I neglect, forget, or do not apply the middle portion of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. See, the hinge in John 3.16 is not that God loved us or what we get out of believing but it's what God did to make it all happen. And we love that God loves. We love unconditional love. Richly, we think every church should offer it. But you and I must be compelled to not just say people are important, but listen, show people that they're important. In fact, we've talked about, I believe this, you can fake love. You remember middle school? <laughs> you can fake love. You can have somebody say, hey, I love you, but they don't love you. But they can say it and speak it, and you can, you can fake it. Listen, you can't fake generosity. Generosity is just what you do or you don't do. You can't fake it. John 3, 16 unfolds this idea. For God so loved the world that he gave. Listen, listen, listen. if you've never caught the meaning of John 3, 16, God loved you so much, it compelled him to give to you. Let's flip it. Your love for God, what has it compelled you to do for him? That's a game-changing question because you and I love and identify with this idea that God loved us so much to give us his only son, but if you'll stare at that verse and look at the gave, and you and I own this idea that church should not only be defined by everybody being welcome, but you and I should get involved in people's lives and say we will be generous with our time and our talents and our treasures. So there's a story I've been sharing with you. The story of the prodigal son. The story, if you've read it in your Bible, the lost son, the prodigal son. To give you a quick view, you just need to go back and watch it. But there's a story that Jesus tells. Every word you need to hang on to it. He tells a story about a son who basically says, I want my inheritance early. The father gives him his inheritance. He does not go invest it and spend it wisely. He blows it. 
It's the lesson you're having with your six-year-old right now. Save this, don't spend this all in one place, even though mommy and daddy do. That you're like, save this, put it in your piggy bank. And so the son just wastes his whole inheritance. Wastes it. Like literally gone. He falls into this moment that he's looking at what pigs eat. He's desperate for what they eat. It's a horrible moment. He says, I'm gonna go back home and not be a son anymore. I'm just gonna be servant to my dad. That's all I can do. He comes back home. The father runs to him. This is so cool. He runs to him. I'll read it to you. Luke 15, verse 20. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Now, now, now if you, you gotta know the meaning of that, so go watch that powerful verse. But so the father, if you ever wondered, hugs him, kisses him, shows compassion to him, but then how does that come alive? I mean, you could say, I love you. Now it's time to talk about what you did, boy, right? No, what? Watch what he does. This is so cool. Verse 22, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Have you ever wondered if Jesus is a vegetarian? You just answered that question. Listen to this. Do you see the reaction that Jesus is telling you and I? We're not only to just love people and say, we love you, we love you, you're welcome, we're glad you're here. Here, have a seat. Or, no, 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 you and I must be compelled to take the love that God has for us and offer it out of generosity to others. How generous of a person are you? How generous. If, I, if, if someone got a, a glimpse of your life, your past week, and said, let's look at how generous of a person they are. Now, don't get caught up in the money conversation. Because frankly, I think money is just a small part of generosity. Most of us have something that's literally priceless called time or talent. How generous are you? I mean, Jesus tells the story here, time, talent, treasure. But but generosity is is caught up in this moment where the father says, I'm going to give you a robe, sandals, ring. We're going to have an incredible steak dinner and this is going to be epic and awesome. And that would have been very expensive. They only held for certain guests at certain moments, like wedding type of moments. And, and the father says, here you go, son. We're so glad you're back. He takes his love, that compassion that talks about in the previous verse, and says, let me show you love. Let me show you that I mean when I say. And he offered generosity. Many of us want others to be generous, Right? You want your family to be generous to you. You want, some want the government to be generous to certain people. Some want churches to be generous. Let's look at you and I. Are, are you and I generous people? And, and by the way, generosity is, is not about quantity. It's about the sacrifice. I'm not talking to you. Do you have a big check or are you super talented at something or do you have all the time in the world? It's not about quantity. It's about the level of sacrifice. Are you being generous? That's where you discover generosity. See, some of you have a lot of money. Some of you have very little money. Some of you have a lot of time. Some have little. Listen, it's about the sacrifice. The the original church, like way back before most of us were alive, way back if you're reading your Bible, You'll, you'll learn about churches, how they started. If you're, if you're a nerd like me that likes to know about this, I, I, I like to know what other churches were like, especially when, closer when Jesus was around. 
I don't know if you've ever wondered, like, you know, right after Jesus went up into heaven and, and everyone started doing what he said to do, like go make disciples and go about doing stuff, what did those churches look like? Well, the Bible tells us. The Bible unfolds stories after stories. In fact, most of your New Testament, most of the second part of your Bible talks about these churches and a lot of times when they got it wrong or they got it right. Well, there's one in particular church. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Here's what the writer says. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in what? Rich generosity. See, some of you aren't. Listen, perk up for a moment. Listen to this. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty Welled up in rich generosity. Watch this. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. See, some of us go, that doesn't seem fiscally responsible, David. That's because the church didn't think like that. You see, when it comes to generosity and meeting the needs of other people, you and I have got to be so involved in the lives of other people that we can speak into their lives, give into their lives, invest in their lives. You, 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 I'll tell you some more stories about what the original church did. You know, one guy was like, hey, those people need something. So you know what he did? He went and sold his land, and he didn't say, do I tithe or do something in the grocery store? He took the whole profit of selling the land and said, here you go, church. These poor people need fed. That's how irrationally generous the original church was. If you follow statistics, you'll find that actually, you know what Christians have been tabbed as? Being one of the least generous group of people in America. That's what we're known as, being stingy. Most waiters and waitresses hate Sundays because the Christians fill the restaurants and tip very little. If you're watching online, it's very quiet in here. What would it look like if you and I were to get beyond our wants and engage other people's needs? What if we were that kind of a church? Well, that's why we birthed the idea of a car ministry where we fix people's cars. That's why every single week out of the year, we're investing in our city in the different nonprofits but see, I can tell you kind of 3,000 or 30,000 foot, foot pictures of what's going on, but I want you to see some things. So, so recently, in the past handful of months, some Fountain Springers have been doing things that you have got to hear about. So let me tell you one. He doesn't know about this, but it's public, so I don't have to ask permission. That's how it works. I want you to see a story of a Fountain Springer who says, I must be irrationally generous. Take a look at a news story that was done on him. Take a look. Good evening and welcome. I'm Alexandra Montgomery. This is Coda Territory News at 10. With the holidays approaching, we hear it all the time, tis the season for giving. Our Adam King shows us how one man in Rapid City is using his RV to give back to the less fortunate. You never know when inspiration will strike. I listen to Pastor David every single Sunday and there was just something that hit me. I said, 
do something. And Ted Hayward's idea of doing something meant giving back to the less fortunate of Rapid City. Hayward has been giving out free breakfasts, hats, and gloves out of his RV every Sunday morning for the past five weeks. Hayward says the experience can be overwhelming. After, after we're done here, then uh, I'll send everybody away and I'll sit in there and I'll cry because it's just, it's quite an experience. Hayward has been feeding more than 50 people every Sunday and offers hot biscuits and gravy, coffee, and fresh fruit for anyone in need. Hayward also appreciates having a gathering place to hear the stories of the people that come through. Hayward started serving out of this vacant parking lot on East Boulevard North, but was forced to move his RV to the street due to private property restrictions. But that hasn't stopped Hayward or even slowed him down. Hayward moves his RV when asked, but continues to give out meals knowing what it means to the people that receive them. It means a whole lot. That means the whole earth to me, man, to even have a sandwich. But Hayward doesn't act alone. He receives help from up to 12 regular volunteers that do everything from cooking to serving. Adam King, Coda Territory News. That's your rational general. Let's go. Now, disclaimer, don't everybody go buy an RV and start doing this. Uh... But look at the heart of that, irrational generosity. When someone's gotta do something, I'm gonna do something. Let me tell you at a different arena, Ken and Kara, you don't know Ken and Kara most likely. Ken and Kara spend every week, by the way, every single week, I'm gonna repeat that, every week they're investing in the kids and the teenagers of this church. On the weekends, every single weekend, they serve down with the kids and help teach the kids about Jesus. Every Wednesday they come back, they come back, they come back, on Wednesdays and serve the teenagers and help run the snack shop for teenagers every week. It's not a, hey, I can do this once a month or maybe once every two, no, every single week. And if you're wondering, oh, I bet they're retired and don't have anything to do. They actually have a ton of kids <laughs> and they don't have a ton of time, but they're being irrationally generous, saying we got an isolated amount of time, we're gonna invest in this next generation coming up. There's another story I'll keep anonymous. It's a family in Fountain Springs Church's community who has encountered a great deal of medical debt. Unexpectedly, not what they intended, but they've come across some extreme amount of medical debt, so they created a plan. They knew, we're gonna attack our debt, but in the midst of attacking their debt, they learned of another Fountain Springs family who is in desperate need. So they trumped their need to dissolve their debt and gave to that family. That's irrational generosity. By the way, the end of the story is God took care of their needs too. There's another story. Again, I'm gonna keep things anonymous, but there's a woman who's involved in this church and she came across some great need, but she had a car that she wanted to donate to the car ministry that we offer. And so she created a plan, but she couldn't get rid of the car until she could afford to replace that car, so she waited and waited and waited. However, another fountain springer learned of this moment went to a dealership, bought her a car, and went and gave her an envelope that basically contained all the directions and details of how she now has a car at this dealership. She needs to go pick it up. And she donated her car to the church, and we were able to supply someone else with one. Irrational generosity. See, as Americans, we often try to think of rational. Oh, I know what God wants me to do. It's gotta be completely rational and understandable. And if you are generous based on what is rational, you've not encountered many miracles. We as a church value this strongly. 
is that Jesus tells a story of a boy who did not deserve anything. He had already received his inheritance. He got what was deserved to him. He returns home after wasting it on wild living, as the Bible describes. And not only does the father run out and embrace him and say, yeah, you don't have to be servant. You can be a part of the family. But then the father unfolds this moment of giving him a robe, the best robe, a ring, the sandals, and gives a whole incredible party and says, I am going to say that I love you, but I'm also going to show it. God loved you and I so much that he was compelled to give you and I the most important thing in his life, his son. For those of you who call yourselves Christians, what has God's love for you compelled you to do for him? I don't say that to make you feel bad, but it's a question I want in front of me every single day. I don't know how long God's gonna give me to live, but I know that I have today, and I can be generous in some way with my time today. Be somehow with the talents that God has given me, I can somehow be generous. And with the treasures that God gives me, I can be generous with that. Stop demanding that everyone be generous and own that for yourself. Here's the harsh part. You're gonna have to figure out for yourself, are you gonna spectate or participate in this? Are you a spectator? Are you watching and so excited about this church, in fact, you're like, I want the t-shirt. David, where's the t-shirt? I love my church. I love my church so much. I get that. I love it too. But don't just be a spectator of what God is doing. God is allowing this church to reach people who don't ever think about God or who are mad at God or think the church has no purpose. Some of you have those testimonies, those stories. God is using this church in incredible ways. Move beyond just saying everyone is welcome and participate in it.